Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of The Hedge. My name is Jason Mountford and I am really, really excited about this week's episode. I've managed to speak to somebody who I've wanted to speak to for quite some time. His name is Peter McCormack and he hosts the podcast What Bitcoin Did, which is is basically the biggest Bitcoin podcast in the world. Some of the guests who he's had on his show... Uh, people like the Winklevoss twins, you may remember them from the Facebook movie, um, Gary V. he's had Kevin O'Leary, who's Mr. Wonderful from Dragon's Den, um, he's had Andrew Yang on the show, he's even had the president of El Salvador on the What Bitcoin Did podcast. So he's someone who I, I really wanted to have a talk to about Bitcoin, and not just because he has that, that big podcast, but... Peter's views on Bitcoin are pretty level-headed, which is a perspective we don't tend to get in the mainstream media. It tends to be about, you know, the crazy volatility or how bad Bitcoin is for the environment or that it's used by terrorists and, you know, all these kind of um, quite extreme kind of narratives that that we have. So I was really, I'm interested to learn more about this and, and try to get a little bit more of a nuanced take on it because, you know, at the end of the day, Bitcoin and crypto is becoming much more mainstream. You know, we are seeing a lot more of it, um, we are seeing a lot more of it in the news, but we're seeing a lot more mainstream adoption. You know, Tesla have recently been holding Bitcoin. There are other companies like MicroStrategy, really big companies who are looking at implementing Bitcoin much more in the business. Even Twitter is looking at options around Bitcoin. So whilst it's not something that I'm, I'm, you know, telling everybody to rush out and buy, I do think it's important for us all to try and learn a bit more about it. Now, I think that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's really important to learn about Bitcoin so that we learn about Bitcoin. But also what I've started to see is that once you start to actually understand what people in the Bitcoin community see as the potential for Bitcoin, what they, the reason why they think it is such a good investment, such a good form of money. Once you start to learn their arguments, it's actually a really good way to learn more about the monetary system in general and you know how our currencies work and how they interact with each other. So you know, this should definitely just be a starting point in, in learning a bit more about Bitcoin. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Peter um, and I think there's a lot of really good stuff in here that can provide you with a lot of value and, and definitely some more understanding around it. Now, there's also a bit of a um, a bit of a special announcement at the end of this episode, so make sure you stick around around for that. The I guess the the, the sneak preview on that is that it's a sports announcement. So um, Peter's got a, a new sports venture that he's going into, which I think a lot of you will find quite interesting. So. As always, thanks very much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you really enjoy this interview with Peter McCormack from the What Bitcoin Did podcast. Peter McCormack, great to have you on the show today. Thanks very much for joining me. No, thanks for having me, man. Good to good to meet you. Uh, happy to talk about Bitcoin today. Well, I mean, in in the public arena, at least, that's generally what uh, you do a lot, isn't it? Talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, man, that's that's my job, dude. Uh, I do what you do, but uh, I focus specifically on Bitcoin. I do about three interviews a week uh, with uh, various people who are like experts in economics or Bitcoin tech or you know, uh, maybe sometimes governance, but usually it's Bitcoin or Bitcoin asymmetric topics. Yeah, and I mean, awareness of Bitcoin is massively increasing all the time, isn't it? You know, a lot of people are becoming aware of it. It's becoming more mainstream. But I think a lot of people tend to have um, an idea that Bitcoin is just a speculative asset that you put some money in on the hope that the price will go up and, you, and you'll make bank off it. You know, the Bitcoin community, though, though, 
has the idea that Bitcoin has a lot more potential than that. So other than making money on that price appreciation, what do you think are the main problems that Bitcoin solves? Yeah, so Bitcoin's super interesting in that uh, there is a massive difference between what people think about it if they've never bought it, never really engaged with it, only their only understanding comes from what they've seen in the press or seen online. Uh, and for those people who spent years studying it, who are fully invested, um, and I try and take myself back to the point where I first heard about Bitcoin. Somebody introduced it to me. I was like, "What do you mean? Like, there's this online money? Just it just sounded like a gaming token or just some like nonsense idea. Like, money is something which you hold in your hand or you spend on your debit or credit card, which we think that is backed by the government and is like a legal tender. How can you have a form of money which is decentralized what does decentralized mean and that is uh that is we don't know who the creator is like this, this just sounds like a scam this just sounds like nonsense yeah. why, yeah. why and who are all these people become billionaires off it but it it takes a it takes a bit of like courage and a bit of like will to go out and learn a bit about it and and usually pretty quick quickly people start to grok what exactly bitcoin is and and the purposes it serves i think a good starting point is just it's a very brief quick explanation of what bitcoin is and makes it unique firstly bitcoin is money there's there's no other there's no other way of saying it. it is money uh gold is money fiat currencies dollars pounds euros are money bitcoin is money but the difference between bitcoin uh and say government money is that bitcoin is decentralized it's not controlled by anybody it is uh, exists on a ledger which anyone can download a copy of and you know that makes it kind of unique but also makes it similar to gold in that gold is just gold is essentially a, a kind of decentralized form of money in that it doesn't have a government it doesn't have an army it just exists mm -hmm. as a rock that some people buy so the 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 problems it solves are we can we can crystallize them down into it like a few very key ones the the one that's most important which everyone is talking about right now is inflation you know us inflation yeah. rate is 6.2% uh, UK inflation rate is 4.2%. Turkey mm -hmm. inflation rate is something like 20%. Uh, the inflation rate of Argentina is like 40%. Now, inflation is something we kind of get used to accepting as a natural part of the economy. You know, as we grow up, we see it on the news. They talk about the government's inflation rate this month is 2.5% or 1.5% or the government is targeting 2%. We go, okay, cool. Yeah, the economy is growing. Great, we've got inflation. But actually, inflation is just really a hidden tax. Um, if you mm -hmm. are... If your wages are not rising quicker than inflation, or if you're uh, not getting a, 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 an interest rate in your bank account higher than inflation, you are becoming poorer. <laughs> you are just becoming poorer because yep. the money you have will buy less stuff. Yeah. So that's become a really important point now with massive high inflation around the world. And the reason, you know, inflation comes from a couple of things. Inflation can come from a growing economy because there is an increased demand on goods. That That is something that can happen. But the inflation that's really happening now is the increase in the money supply. As the government prints more money, there's more money that can be spent and there's more of a demand on goods, and that can drive up inflation. Um, yep. It is also complicated right now with the logistics around post-COVID world. But anyway, the reason Bitcoin is different from government money is government money is, can be printed. Any government can go and print, a, you know, the UK government can go print a billion pounds or 10 billion pounds or whatever. The US government's printed trillions this year. You can't do that with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is very simple. Its monetary policy has two rules. And the one I'm going to talk about right now is that there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. 
Never mm-hmm. anymore. It's impossible for there to be more than 21 million Bitcoin. So what that means is, is that as a currency, it can't be in- inflated. So as demand increases for it, the price of it will generally go up because there's a fixed supply. And this is a really important. This is a really important uh, part of Bitcoin because you know, inflation is devastating. I mean, people in mm. Lebanon have had their entire wealth destroyed over the last couple of years due to inflation. People in mm-hmm. Turkey right now, you'll read reports of people saying, oh my God, Turkey's great, everything's so cheap. People are living in Turkey right now, everything is expensive. You know, people yeah. are struggling to feed their families. You know, So what you want from money, you, know, you want a few things. One of the most important things you want from money is for it to be able to hold value across time and space. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, And with Bitcoin, we've been talking about inflation, you know, Bitcoin holds value over time because it cannot be printed. And that's a really mm-hmm. important factor. Other important use cases for Bitcoin is that it is a form of money, which um, if I want to send it to you, I can just, you can send me an address anywhere in the world and I can send it to you. And within 10 minutes or so, it should be with you. And if we use the Lightning Network, it will be almost instant and near zero cost. And yeah. there are no middlemen and nobody can stop me sending that to you. So you have this form of money that is fixed limit that can be sent anywhere in the world at any time with no middlemen and very low fees. So when you start looking at it like that, it's actually, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a cool form of money. The speculate, the speculation part of it is is that spe- we are re-monetizing the world with this asset, so people are investing it, speculating that this will become one of the most important monies, if not the most important money in the world. Mm. It does feel like those problems are, some of those problems are getting worse. I just had this the other day. Mm. Banks are really cracking down on on the way you use your money. I was trying to send two and a half grand pounds back to Australia and the bank actually completely locked me out of everything. You know, I even, I went on my banking apps and it was showing all my accounts weren't even showing up, which, you know, I, we obviously live in a country that's, that's stable and I don't feel like NatWest is going to pinch all my money, but it's still a bit disconcerting when you can see your full, well, not all your financial assets, but a big chunk of your financial assets just be kind of taken away and again, even if it's momentarily. So I guess that's why, and I know from some of the, some of your podcasts that I've listened to, the uptake is seeming to be bigger in some of these developing economies where these things could actually happen. The bank could actually run out of money. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I had Lloyd's TSB, the bank I've been with for 22 years. I think it's 20, no, 24 years closed down my bank accounts this year. They yeah, phoned me up and, they, yeah, well, they phoned me up. They said, we want to do an account review, Peter. And I was like, okay. What does that mean? They said, we want to know what these transactions are. What's this money and who you send it to? I was like, yeah, it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm an, I'm an adult. I don't need to tell you where I'm spending my money. Yeah. Have I committed a crime? Am I, you know, am I being charged with a crime? Yep. And they said, no, no. I said, well, look, it's none of your business. I'm a grown adult. Leave me alone. Mm. Like, I pay my bills. <laughs> I, I'm never in my overdraft. Like, leave me the fuck alone. I mean, I didn't swear <laughs> at them. But anyway, so like two weeks later, I get a letter saying, we can no longer service you as an account and we're going to close your accounts down. And the problem is, is that the government has outsourced surveillance to the banks because the government mm-hmm. doesn't want to do it because they've got no money because they spend it on everything else. They've yeah. turned around to the banks and they've made the banks operate surveillance for them. And what that means is they want to know every transaction you're doing, like who you're sending money to, which is destroy privacy. And, you know, so, so I mean, for me, that was a real wake-up call in, in, in that your bank account is only ever an IOU. It's an IOU. You're trusting that the bank will manage your money and you're trusting you'll get it back and you're trusting that the government won't inflate it away. 
And that's why Bitcoin is, has so much interest because it is a bare instrument. Like, and I custody Bitcoin. I hold that Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about anyone inflating it away. And I can send it to whoever I want, wherever I want at any time. Mm-hmm. So it's really, if you really start thinking about like what the internet has brought to the world, right? We don't go to Blockbuster because we can use Netflix. Yeah. You know? We don't buy CDs anymore because we have Spotify. Yeah. We don't buy newspapers and magazines anymore because we go to websites. You know, the mm-hmm. the internet has changed a lot of the things we do. It's made a lot of life, e- lot, a lot of parts of life, a lot easier. One thing that's never really changed is money. Money mm-hmm. is constantly being controlled by the government and the gatekeepers. And what's happening now? The banks are having their blockbuster moment. Yeah, you know, what used to be a what used to be an asset, which was their branches in every town, is now a liability, and they've got these expensive places to run. And yep. they're being out they're being outcompeted by neo banks and crypto companies. But as part of that, we're actually outcompeting the central banks. I mean, only yesterday did you see Elizabeth this I mean, this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with right now. Let me show you let me read this to you. Mm. So I'm going off on a bit of a rant here. But no, Elizabeth, do it. I love it. Well, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Somebody who I'd previously had a little bit of respect for because uh she would take well, on the banks. You're yeah, the Elizabeth did. Warren of Bitcoin, aren't you, on your Twitter profile? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she would she would take on the banks, right? She would uh, challenge uh, Steve Mnuchin. She would like question these people. So I was like, I held a bit of a respect for her. But yesterday, listen to this. It's such a virtue signaling tweet. Wondering why your Thanksgiving groceries cost more this year? It's because greedy corporations are charging Americans extra just to keep their stock prices high. This is outrageous. Now, I mean. I don't know if she believes it herself. If she does, mm. then she really isn't. She really shouldn't be uh, a senator. She, you know, she's obviously yeah. not smart enough. But I don't think she believes this. I think she's pushing it out there as a virtue signal to the people stupid enough to believe this. And there's a number of errors in this. Firstly, she's calling these greedy corporations. I'm sorry, but capitalism is how through capitalism is how we price goods. But the reason the groceries are costing more this year is because we have massive inflation. I mean, the U.S. reported 6.2% inflation. That's the lowest inflation rate they can probably get away with. Everyone knows it's probably more like 10 to 15% or even higher. Yeah, yeah. Like, go and and try and buy a car right now. Go and, Mm. you know, look at moving house. Look look at, speak to anyone who works in a manual job, whether it's a plumber or a chippy, and ask them how much they're spending on raw materials. Inflation's much higher. That's the reason the prices have gone up, Elizabeth Warren, not because they're greedy corporations. Because <laughs> yeah, corporations exactly. are having to bring, they're having to bring goods in. So, mm. you know what? We, we're at this kind of like pivotal time where the veil of bullshit from governments is being lifted, and people are realizing it's like, hold on, what's going on here? And luckily, we have this thing called Bitcoin, which allows us to route around central banks, government bullshit, etc. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great time for Bitcoin. Uh, it's going to be a weird time for everything else. Mm. So. Inflation is obviously like a really, really key point there. That's that's coming, um, becoming more and more an issue. Obviously, um, I know that you started out your podcast, the What Bitcoin Did podcast. Originally, was a crypto podcast, not just a Bitcoin yep. podcast. Bitcoin, at the end of the day, I'm not a technical person, but it is just code. Mm-hmm. Why are all one? Why is Bitcoin different or better than? hundreds the hundreds or thousands of other tokens and coins and you know things that are out there at the moment as well yeah it's a really good question uh because about two and a half three years ago i went bitcoin only on the podcast and and the reason i did it is i realized whilst these are considered in the same category like cryptocurrencies 
um, what I realized is actually Bitcoin is very different from a lot of these things. Now, there are what I think are cryptocurrencies which are trying to be money. And then there are cryptocurrencies which are trying to be protocols, smart contract platforms that do other things that have a token linked to them. They're mm. essentially two different things. It's almost like having a uh, podcast which is about vehicles and then deciding to hone in on cars. You know, mm -hmm. I'm saying I'm not going to cover airplanes and helicopters because they're completely different. Um, so there are cryptocurrencies that are trying to be money, Bitcoin, which what Bitcoin is one. And then there are other things which are forks of Bitcoin, which is too complicated to get into today. But basically things that are trying to be like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV and, you know, Litecoin. The reality is Bitcoin's won that race. And it's won it because it's the most decentralized, has the best developers, has been around the longest and has the network effect. So all these other cryptocurrencies which are trying to be money, they've lost that race. So Bitcoin won mm -hmm. that. Everything else, protocols, they're just a different category of thing that I don't really have interest in. Most of them mm -hmm. are centralized or directionally becoming more centralized. Uh, and they're, try they're just trying to achieve something different. Bitcoin is trying to solve one problem. It's trying to be the best money in the world. Now it's done that and it constantly has a job to try and maintain that. Mm -hmm. But that for me is like what I'm focused on. All these other things are trying to, they're more like companies. Yeah, they're more like companies that are smoldly decentralized that are trying to like offer, offer you know, different things for people to be you know, investing in. But really, I mean, they're not really solving actual issues. Like, like the tech companies should solve problems. And Bitcoin mm -hmm. solving or has solved the problem of money, but like, what are the what is Ethereum? What problem is this Ethereum solving? If it's trying to solve the problem of money, well, then it's it's it has lost heavily to Bitcoin because it's not as mm -hmm. decentralized and it has a loose monetary policy. Those two reasons alone, it's just lost. Yeah, uh, people will defend it because they hold heavy bags of it. So, what other problems is it trying to solve? And and I'm yet to really have someone really explain to me Ethereum's, Ethereum solved this problem. Yeah, it allows you to send in a permissionless way digital assets around the world. But but what? Why do I need that? So, like, I don't think they shouldn't exist. People should do whatever the fuck they like. But for me, it's just like I I I know what good money does and what good money does for the world and good money does for economies and hardworking people. Like, it... It rewards the productive class, and mm. it demonetizes it demonetizes the lazy class, or the political class, or the grifters and the rent seekers. So mm. I, I'm I, I I'm entirely focused on that. If you're an investor and you want to invest in lots of things, yeah, fine, go and buy some cryptocurrencies. If you want to put your money in sound money, money that will appreciate and hold value over the next few decades, then it's just all about Bitcoin. Yeah, so I guess then really it's not that necessarily all the projects out there are trash it's just that bitcoin is kind of the main event and all these other ones are uh, sideshows where there could potentially be some fringe technology or benefits down the line but really bitcoin's the main game when we're talking about societal change and, and kind of grand grand plans i suppose yeah i mean i do think they're mainly garbage these other things yeah. i do <laughs> yeah uh but it's very hard to convince people who are invested in them or maybe think they mm -hmm. missed out on Bitcoin or yada, yada. But anyone who says to you these are better than Bitcoin or refer to Bitcoin as boomer tech or slow, I mean, they're either stupid or disingenuous. Like, they don't understand the foundations of what makes good money. If, mm -hmm. you, if you understand the foundations of what makes good money, then you would f understand why Bitcoin is the best money. 
Okay, mm. they're not that. So they're trying to be something else. I think they're mainly garbage. I, th- I see some very limited use cases. Stable coins on a protocol, which allow you to send dollars around the world. That's kind of useful. But like, you know, you got to pick the right protocol because the gas fees can be quite high. I mean, Ethereum at the yeah. moment is ri- ridiculously expensive. Um, but yeah, I think they're mainly garbage. I think they're mainly a distraction. The way I explained it once, I said, listen, think of Bitcoin as your vault. you got your vault at home with all your money in that you want to protect. But occasionally you want to go to Vegas, right? Okay, cool. If you want to go to Vegas, you've got two choices. Do you want to empty everything in your vault and risk losing it? Or do you want to take a little bit out and just have a little bit of a flutter, you know, a little go on the roulette wheel? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was listening to one of your um, episodes the other day with, with Pete Rizzo. And yeah, you were talking about, uh, I think the term was um, hyper Bitcoin. Hyper Bitcoinization. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. And the idea, which which I gather is the idea that basically Bitcoin is the world money. Everyone's using it. It's taken over the world. Do you think? I mean, his kind of opinion from what I could get from the episode was that for that to happen, there needs to be almost societal breakdown in a lot of ways. Like, there's going to be a lot of government resistance, a lot of corporate resistance, that sort of thing. Do you think a world that looks like that is something that we could potentially see in our lifetime, or are we kind of way away away from that, especially in the West? Yeah, good question. Look, there are different schools of thought with this. When I when I first got into Bitcoin and heard about hyper-Bitcoinization, I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, mm-hmm. what are you on about? All right, like, Bitcoin is interesting. It's never going to take over. And now I'm, like, you know, multi-year deep into this. Like, I understand why people predicted this because, you know, people will always converge on the best form of money. And Bitcoin is, and right, and we're mm-hmm. seeing the collapse of fiat currencies around the world. Like actual currency collapses right now. Lebanon's currency has collapsed. Turkey's currency is collapsing. You know, could the US dollar collapse? I don't know. But so hyper Bitcoinization is this idea that people converge on the best form of money, and and if they do, and these currencies collapse, then yeah, Bitcoin will take over. And can we see it in our lifetime? Sure. I mean, we. Bitcoin is a $1.2 trillion asset now. In five years, it could be a $10 trillion asset. In 10 mm-hmm. years, it could be a $100 trillion asset. As, as people realize like they should, and the best place to store their money is a Bitcoin, and if more and more people go to it, absolutely, it could happen. And I don't think people, I mean, I don't even understand what that means. I'm like, I'm contemplating it myself. I'm really thinking about this a lot at the moment. Like, what are the implications of this? So yeah, I mean, hyper Bitcoinization is is one of those things that could happen, and it, and I'm questioning it a lot at the moment. Like, what does it mean, and what are the implications? I mean, there will be winners and losers. There will be fabulously wealthy Bitcoiners, and there will be people who just won't buy or are refusing to buy, always think it's expensive. And you know, I, I don't think hyper Bitcoinization is so much about just people moving to Bitcoin. I think it's also about other currencies collapsing. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a guy called Pierre Rochard. He runs a website called Nakamoto Institute. He's written extensively about this. If anyone is interested in the idea, they should definitely go there and read up on it. Hi, guys. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just wanted to jump in really quickly to let you know about my free weekly newsletter, also called The Hedge. Every week, I comb through all the social feeds and news websites to cut through the noise and bring you the latest news and ideas in investing, business, entrepreneurship, and personal development. As with all content from The Hedge, the aim is to help you grow your wealth in a way that allows you to be your real, authentic self. If you'd like to sign up, you can find the link as well as the links to all our other content at thehedge.io. So we're seeing some countries really 
it's kind of forged forward with Bitcoin. El Salvador is the obvious example. You've mentioned a number of currencies, uh, countries there where the currency kind of is collapsing and seeing a big uptake in Bitcoin use, Turkey, that sort of thing. Where do you think the UK sits in terms of this? Because also, you know, it's not just developing countries. We're also seeing the mining, the level of mining going on in places like the United States. They're they're kind of forging forward in in Bitcoin in in other ways. Where do you think the UK sits in in this Bitcoin world? Are we kind of really lagging? Are we going to really struggle to, to maintain relevance if it does fully take off? So it's really interesting watching Bitcoin and, and how different governments react to it because the most open to Bitcoin seem to be the ones benefiting it the most and the most hostiles seem to be missing out on opportunities. So China is a great example. Uh, they made one of the biggest uh, economic and geopolitical mistakes probably in history by banning mining in the country and all the miners moved out and they very quickly relocated to other countries and the mining hash rate uh, uh, very quickly recovered. I mean, that's a massive long-term disadvantage now to China in doing that. And they're going to have to reconsider that policy at some point. El Salvador is massively pro-Bitcoin. They have the Bitcoin law. It's legal tender. Their president is supporting it. They have no tax on Bitcoin. And now Bitcoiners are thinking of living there. And so when I think of the UK, I just think what a missed opportunity. Like we mm. had Brexit. You know, We left the EU. We had this opportunity to be this... Uh, innovative financial center that supported and i'd even go as wide as cryptocurrencies and not just say bitcoin and we've missed we've completely missed the opportunity there seems to be no appetite within government i wrote to my local mp and all he did is reply back with msm talking points about boiling polar bears and mm-hmm. used by terrorists which is just such <laughs> archaic arguments yeah so i think yeah, we're massively lacking behind and you know look i have the biggest podcast in bitcoin right i'm uk based i do like one in God, one in 80 interviews is in the UK, the majority yeah. in the US, because even though the US has the federal government, which can be quite challenging to Bitcoin, they do have the states which can be quite pro. I mean, Texas mm. is very pro Bitcoin, Wyoming and Florida are yeah. very pro Bitcoin, and they're seeing big companies be built there, big opportunity there. So, yeah, sadly, the UK will probably be one of the losers in this is because we don't, we don't have politicians in there who have the nows to get their head around what this is and what the opportunity is, which is a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. I did actually hear you mentioned the other day that something like only 10% of your listeners are from the UK, which I thought I did. I think thought that was really weird when I heard you say that. Yeah. 10 to 15%, 55% is US. Yeah. So um, just a couple, couple last questions. The first one is that we've been through or you've been through a few market cycles with Bitcoin. Now we've seen some very high highs, some very low lows. When Bitcoin has crashed in the past, it often has crashed quite spectacularly. Do you think we're going to see another really deep bear market like that or are we getting to the point where bitcoin is becoming mature enough that the fluctuations aren't necessarily going to be quite as volatile yeah it's a really great question and it's a lot a lot of people think about this at the moment like does the cycle break you know we've had this four-year cycle where bitcoin does does this crazy thing where it does a 10 20x and and the end of the run and then it dumps um Mm -hmm which teaches you very important lessons about money and and storing wealth it teaches you about time preference it teaches you about just forgetting the volatility stacking sats and playing the long-term plus four year ideally plus decade game which i've done Mm -hmm. and i've learned from i've screwed up and lost money in bitcoin but i've also learned like that's the real game to play 
Mm-hmm. But I actually think it will be one of the most important things for Bitcoin, one of the most interesting things, is if we get away from that cycle. I, th- I would love us to get us to point. I don't mind the volatility, but I would love to get us away from this, like, 20x with an 80% drop. I would mm-hmm. much prefer us to see a more consistent and gradual increase in price, but I would accept volatility in that because I think it then becomes an easier thing for people to get their heads around and invest you know other central banks other companies other individuals because the volatility is what scares people a lot of people off now as a bitcoiner once you've done four years you've done your you know you've done your first tour of duty you understand the volatility so you can deal with it but i just think for the long-term benefit of bitcoin as a currency as something for people to use and invest and put money in i hope that doesn't happen who knows Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it doesn't look like we will have a similar scenario we might do it doesn't look like it right now this this year has been it's been, been unusual i mean we had that deep mini bear market a, a few months ago where the price dumped from like 64k to about 29 yeah. and we've seen a recovery we did tag 20 uh, 69k recently uh, I, I mean i i do expect the price to continue to go up will we see another end of year 5x or early next year 5x with a dump honestly I've got no idea, Jason. I don't, I don't know. It's been it's been a strange year, but I don't really care either way, to be honest. For me, this this is not what it's about. For me, this is about long term, like protect, like accumulation and protection of wealth. And so these like short term moves, I, I tend to ignore. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Like you say, it's, it's it's like any investment. Really, in the, the day, we can all make speculations of what we think might happen, but none of us really know what's going to happen, especially with something on the newer scale of things like like Bitcoin. Yeah. One one last question I, I want to finish, finish off uh, with. We've seen recently my hometown. I'm from Perth, Western Australia originally. My hometown baseball team, uh, the Perth Heat, have become the Bitcoin baseball team. They're going full Bitcoin standard, paying the players in Bitcoin, really kind of taking that on. You've been tweeting a lot about Bedford Town. Is that Are you just having a bit of a lull there or is that actually something that you want to do? Do you want to make Bedford Town the Bitcoin football team? Well, when's this show going out? Uh, it'll be going out next Wednesday. Great. So I can tell you this. So I tried to buy Bedford Town. I've had a like life lifelong dreams ever since I was a kid because where I'm in Bedford, we don't have any big local teams. So I support Liverpool, which is miles away. I've always wanted to buy my local team and get them in the football league and you know, dreams of getting Premier League. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm in a position where I, I can do it. I went to the owner of Bedford Town Football Club who are in Step 8, which is seven divisions basically below the Premier League. And we had a few meetings, but it wasn't the right time for him. You know, he's got his own plan and good luck to him. He's done a great job and I wish him the best. Uh, so I went to plan B and the next team is Bedford FC. Uh, I've met the owner. I made him an offer. He's accepted it. And we should be confirming today. I'm meeting him tomorrow morning and yeah, I've got a full plan ahead. I'm I'm I've, I'm buying Bedford FC. I am going to make them a Bitcoin club. I'm going to make them the football club of Bitcoiners. I'm going to put a Bitcoin logo on the shirt and I'm going to allow Bitcoiners to invest in the club and have part ownership. And yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a real thing. It's not Lowell's. I've got an ambitious plan within the next you know five years to try and get them up to the conference and make an attack on getting into the Football League. And yeah, I'm fully on, Jason. It's happening. Awesome. I can't wait to watch yeah. it. I think I think that's going to be one of the big, a big way to, to be bringing more people into Bitcoin, into understanding the mainstream applications and seeing it on a football shirt, jumping on Google, what is, what's this thing? Let's learn a bit more about it, Jump, listening to your podcast. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. I'll be buying a shirt when, we, when, uh, when they drop the logo on it, for sure. Yeah, Buy a shirt and buy a share. You can buy yeah. one share. I'm going to try and make it so like everyone can buy at least one share. 
Awesome. Brilliant. Look, um, Pete, I really appreciate your time today. Um, been really interesting hearing hearing your thoughts on Bitcoin. Um, and for anybody who is wanting to learn more about Bitcoin, definitely check out uh, Peter McCormack's podcast, What Bitcoin Did. And you've got a really good, on the website, you've got a really good kind of beginner series as well, don't you, that kind of runs through a lot yeah. of resources on, on kind of where to get started on this stuff. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, it's great to chat to you. Sorry about my technical difficulties here. But yeah, listen, anyone who wants to check it out, it's whatbitcoindid.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter McCormack. And uh, yeah, like, don't ignore Bitcoin. Don't think it's too expensive or don't think it's too volatile. Like, Bitcoin always seems expensive. You know, mm. it's 60, like $58,000 now. That seems expensive. It seemed expensive to me when it was at 20000 The first time I bought Bitcoin, it was £80. It <laughs> seemed expensive. It always seems expensive. Yeah. But if you understand the fundamentals of what makes good money and you understand the fundamentals of Bitcoin, it will start to make sense. Awesome. Thanks again, Peter. All right, brother. Take care. So there you have it, guys. That was my interview with Peter McCormack. I really enjoyed having that chat. I found it really, really useful and really, really interesting. I think for me, the biggest thing is that whenever we start to talk about or learn about Bitcoin and blockchain and other cryptocurrencies, Web3, NFTs, all this stuff can seem quite complicated and quite complex. And like I said in the interview, I'm not a technical person. I don't know how to code. Um, technology is something where, um, you know, like all of us, I can use a phone and a computer and that sort of stuff, but actually how it all works is something that's quite foreign to me. So I find it really useful to get someone who can kind of explain why these technologies and why Bitcoin specifically here is has real life applications to our everyday real life. And so I hope you got that from the interview as well. I think that's what I always try to bring you with all my content is not just the facts and figures and the hard information that you need to make better financial decisions, but also to be bringing you that information in a way that you can actually digest and, and understand and apply to your own life. Now, Bitcoin is something that I am actually quite interested in. I'm interested in learning more about. I'm interested in understanding it better so that I can make informed decisions and informed opinions on it. Now, I would really like to know what you guys thought of the episode, but also think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. You know, it's something where I would be happy to do more content on this stuff because like I say, I am, in, I am interested in it. I am interested in learning more of it for myself. Um, and if it's something that you guys would find valuable, then I would be more than happy to bring more of that content to you. I do have a couple of other people who are going to come up on and talk about Bitcoin in the coming months um, as well. A couple of people already lined up. Um, so please do get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of the interview. Let me know what you thought of the content about Bitcoin. Um, the, obviously, the best way to always get in touch with me and, and find the sign up for the weekly newsletter and all that sort of stuff is at thehedge.io. There's a little um, email th thing you can click on that and that will uh, that will f uh, allow you to flick over an email let me know your thoughts let me know your questions as well as always i do want to have questions from you i do want to know what it is you would like to see on the podcast the kind of content you'd like me to do and the people you'd like me to speak to so i really appreciate you tuning into this week's episode if you could also one last final request that i've got is if you did enjoy this episode if you want to see more of this if you are enjoying the kind of new iteration of the podcast i would really appreciate a review on the uh, apple podcast uh, app if you go in there give me a five star review that really helps out with the with the rankings and that sort of thing so thanks again for listening guys i really appreciate it and i look forward to speaking to you next week